welcome to the Three Beards Podcast. My name is Craig, along with Austin and Chris. Passed to a new generation of Americans born in this century. Let me out. Welcome to the Three Beards Podcast. <clears throat> My name is Austin. We have Mark Eddie, Chris, and Mr. Alex tonight. Craig is unfortunately sick, but he is here on commenting, so we have a good night tonight. All right. We are we are seeing three birds. Huh? <laughs> We're trying to get Mark Eddie to have a beard. He's gonna get one. Or we'll we'll send him a fake one soon. So. <laughs> oh man. All right, so, yeah, um yeah. We have a great sh- two shows lined up for this evening. Uh, f- first up is Alex Kianetti. He is an explorer, and you know, uh, he rediscovered two Andean cities. He was a consulting producer for Ancient Aliens. He recently published a book on his search for Ecuador's legendary Teos Cave. There you go. Great, great book. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, and you can get a copy of the book from Inner Traditions, uh, Amazon, and you know, where other, uh, uh, you know, from books. other reputable booksellers. Yeah, Simon and Schuster is in Simon and Schuster webpage. And Simon and Schuster audio. On the Simon Schuster uh, webpage, too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And all right, so uh, Alex, how are you? Very good. I just got an accident. I fall in my nose, but I am okay. With uh-huh. two, two wounds in my knees, yeah, walking. I said, I, it's more dangerous to walk in the streets of New Jersey than in the jungle of Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. no. <laughs> yeah. I am suffering. I am suffering. So. <laughs> so, if you want to jump right in on how did you discover the lost cities, that would be very interesting. Um, I did a little research on the lost cities that you discovered. So, what? Yeah. What, what, what did you no, I, I glad. I glad you asked me, but uh, I, they never asked me about that two things in my resume, in my curriculum about the two cities. I, I discovered. In the last 15 years, in my travels through Peru, no Ecuador, through a place called 
the valley of Santa Eulalia, uh, where is a place called uh, Plateau, the Plateau of Marcawasi, uh, which I have been researching since uh, the 80s, the early 80s, uh, almost kind of 40 years in the making. I, I, I discovered kind of uh, two cities but were never really uh, record in the historical archaeological books of the official Peruvian archaeology. And uh, following the steps of one of my mentors, Jean Savoy, I started to discover and when the cities are rediscovered after I was there for by the official archaeology. But I have proofs of the my discovery. One of them, I will not name the location, uh, is a fantastic pre-Inca city. And, uh, and in the first, I follow the legend of a kind of a, a bell, a haunting bell uh, of, uh, of, the legend was telling about a tower, a kind of, uh, and the sounds of, of a bell and a, a lost treasure of the Spaniards, which was hidden in the base of this kind of uh, platform. But uh, when I did the first, following the, my friends from a, a near village, this we are talking about kind of uh, 5,000, 6,000 feet over the level of the sea. No? <laughs> it's, it's high, it's the Sierra, it's the high Sierra of the Andes. And many cultures it was a melting pot of many cultures, uh, pre-Incas, after Incas, after uh, uh, the 1600-1500. But before we could talk about the period of 2,000 years ago, there were kind of these uh, small villages. And uh, in this town, follow the legend. When I get there, I didn't find a bell. I didn't find a tower. I was thinking I was going to find a kind of a colonial pre-Hispanic kind of church, but no, it was a natural formation with the, with the shape of an obelisk. And it was a plateau, there was nothing there. And in that first expedition, it was in, yeah, 15 years ago, I had to back to Lima and I couldn't stay. And I always was in my, in my kind of... Uh, my kind of shopping list of explorer back to the place. And uh, in 2000, uh, 2007, 2000, yeah, 2008, I back to the place and I explored. And I found a kind of an underground structure, underground uh, graves. And the funny thing is I found these kind of elongated skulls, the famous skulls we have been seeing and in the last uh, five few years uh, about the deformation, the occipital ox uh, trepanation and deformation. I was, uh, I had to descend through a chamber who was kind of semi-subterranean and I had to use a cord to descend myself, but it was not visible from outside. And uh, either the Incas and the pre-Incas uh, as the Chachapoyas, for example, they used to build their kind of uh, funerary niches, funerary uh, kind of uh, dwellings in the naked rock. And for descent to that, if it's not covered by the forest, you have to really descend 
in a kind of in a rappel through a string. But the funny thing is, outside you didn't see anything. And I couldn't penetrate some of the part where was the narrow, um, the holes to access were very covered. And I, I left it there. I hope it's still intact. I'm planning to, to back. I was thinking maybe I could buy this land if the, the local. So, so of, technically, uh, yeah. so the land that you discovered, what it, what democracy is it under? Is it under like uh, the Spaniards or who is who owns stake of that land? Since you, you discovered it, do you have stake of that land or that land is just lost land? That no, no, it's a, no, it's a, it's a private land. It's a family. But in uh, the past, no, in the past was Indian. Uh, the Spaniards never passed through this this place. Thanks to that, it's kind of untouchable. And uh, the the second city, but well, I have the theories. All these plateaus have tunnels connected, interconnecting, uh, sacred place, religious place, and normal dwellings of families. But so are the coast. One of the locals. Uh, he invited me and said, I'm going to bring you to a city that was never recorded. And this is this city that really didn't have a name was not in the in the atlas, the historical or archaeological atlas of the Institute of Culture of Peru in that time. And now it's called the Secretary of, of uh, Minister of Culture. And, uh, and when I went to the place, I was also expecting to find kind of mummies and access to more underground dwellings but i i only find very very kind of uh, sophisticated very old terraces uh, and this was more in the edge of a pre-inca and inca culture and this was uh, dedicated to the god of the regions called the god gualalo this Gualalo is a kind of uh, the god of thunder and god of life. Uh, in some representation, have a shape of a bird, and uh, that was very interesting. That uh, that that city was very difficult to access, but you have to really climb and descend and climb in these very very treacherous valleys. No, but finally we make it. Uh, we celebrated drinking uh, alcohol drinking kind of chicha and <laughs> drinking pisco in the honor of the god Wallalo, no? and but i i was expecting to find more kind of uh, evidence of human life but uh, uh, the uh, the native who bring me the the dweller the sounder who brought me to the place uh, he says, uh, in the past they were, but unfortunately in these areas uh, the people make a lot of destructions when they found funerary uh, kind of uh, rest, human rest, skeletons or, so on, or burial place, burial place. Yeah. So on your next trip, do you plan to use any like robotics or any drone aids to research it? Or since you have to climb so far, do you plan on using like any drones to get places where you can't get? No, it's a kind of uh, two drones. Uh, it's not necessary. It's more interesting. 
Uh, I know a fellow lady, uh, I think her name is Parchak. She's doing a lot of uh, satellites, archaeological satellite work. And uh, she gives access to many other researchers of her kind of uh, shots. Well, she's working more in Egypt, but she, she canvas all, all the world. Now, unfortunately, uh, the old generation of explorers and a young one in between yeah, is less romantic. Now, no more machetes, <laughs> no more, no more persecuted by Indians in, in the runaway. Or so, uh, the signs of Indiana Jones are fading. <laughs> and everything is from the air now. Since the discovery of uh, the city, the white city, by my friend Steve Elkins, uh, who is uh, a good, uh, a good uh, friend who had been also in the intermediate generation researching this these sites, what was a legend too. And in, in 2016, finally he discovered this city after he, he searched for 30 years. Um, but through his expedition through the ground, he couldn't get. But using the LIDAR, with the scan, uh, you could see the laser scan from the air, who now everyone is used that. The universities, the treasure hunters, kind of the uh, anyone, anyone who is interesting to find something from the air. And now it's, uh, it's amazing as in the last uh, few years, all the, the big cities we found in the Americas. In the time of the expedition of Steve, uh, what I was involved in the first stages uh, was not the use of the lidar to penetrate the canvas, the canopy of the forest. But now, after him, we have so many <coughs> thousands of millions of cities in Guatemala, in Mexico, in Honduras, in Belize, in Egypt, in South America, everywhere we think. It's the population, the the population bomb, the higher population of the human species, is nothing new. It's nothing new. <laughs> but right in the five thousand years ago, three thousand years ago, it was a lot of population in the Nile, in the valley, in the, the, the valley of the, the Nile, uh, the Nilo, the Nile, and in South America, all the coasts of next to the Pacific of are the coast of Colombia, the coast of Ecuador, the coast of Peru and Chile, uh, they have millions of inhabitants and they left, they left many kind of, a lot of constructions that are still buried in the mm -hmm. sand. Yeah, it's very similar, no matter what, it's uh, the cultures in America, what is my subject, they are so old as the cultures in Egypt, yeah. If we, we are now coming back to 10, 12,000 years ago. Oh, wow. And it's, yeah. we are kind of challenging the official archaeology again. We are heretics and <laughs> just uh, following the steps of uh, Grant Hancock. Grant Hancock is the one who starts to talk in the mass media about the, the mother culture. 
and he just he published my my article. I was author of the month in February in this past February for his website. And so the people interested in these subjects they should access the Grand Hancock Grand Hancock uh, website. I, I wrote a very extensive article on the Tajos mystery where we are going to talk in the next. So do segment. you believe? So do you believe that there's any artifacts that you all that you all didn't locate yet on your visit, as far as mummies or maybe buried or anything of that effect? You believe that there is artifacts there that you all just didn't stumble on this time? Oh, what? No, no, yeah, it's uh, well that it was Peru, but Peru connected uh, my expeditions to the plateau of Marcahuasi, who is uh, uh, three square kilometers. Is one mile and a half of a kind of a granitical uh, plateau where you could find hundreds of figures, sculptures. These sculptures change the shape through the light. There are rock sculptures. It looks like the natural rock was enhanced, was modified to give shapes of animals and humans and uh, extinct ex ex species, lost, intangible lost species, and uh, also culture from other countries, as Egypt and Mesopotamia, founded in the Peruvian Andes and 10,000 feet over the level of the sea. And we cannot explain about this, but uh, the person who discovered, the researcher, who also was my friend and mentor, Daniel Russo, he said in the center of the plateau, as in many other parts in the Andes, there are concentration of lost libraries. These lost libraries made in scrolls, made in metal, and that will be connected with my research of the Tajos Caves Lost Metal Library, which I researched for more than 30 years. Um, and it's, it's in the next kind of uh, interesting Amazonian Andean country as is Ecuador, no? Mm. In the jungle of Ecuador. Huh. And, but these cultures left inside of the earth and high on the mountains and deep on the earth libraries to preserve lost life, lost con lost knowledge, lost kind of information. And uh, I, I did an, also an expedition to this plateau that was uh, kind of 17 years ago, and where we found some uh, kind of uh, royal tomb. They call the royal tomb what is the shape of the bricks, the shape of the construction supposed to give evidence of some important character was worried. And uh, I did uh, also, it's in, the, it's in a crack on the air. You have to descend with cords. Unfortunately, we'll have a landslide later. And now that all the work we did for several years is lost. But the, the legend said uh, they used to do sacrifice in this pit and throw. And the people who fo fall Sometimes the people who survive after they are going after they were thrown through this abyss, 
they show up in the in the in the in the foot of the plateau, a couple thousand feet below, no? and they really tell the story. We survived the sacrifice. In that time, we are talking about the Spaniard colony, no? And I did an analysis of the bones, and they represent the 15th century, 16th century, no? Of our age, and that means they were sacrificed, but. Uh, in this kind of inner kind of Samsung construction supposed to be scrolls. As mm. you remember mm. the, the Dead Sea Scrolls in uh, in the in between Israel and the Jordan, nobody expects we were going to find this kind of scrolls with all the information of biblical and pre-biblical times, no? Uh, my theory is also following the legends we have this kind of lost knowledge still to be found it kind of inside of the earth and also in the top of the mountains in the case of the dead sea scrolls uh and the dead sea uh, it's uh, was really a miracle finding by a shepherd who was following his his kind of uh, sheep and found this kind of ceramic ceramic kind of vessel with parchments inside. You know? And the parchments are thousands of thousands, uh, giving evidence not only the existence of Christ, but uh, many characters in the Old Testament. You know? And something fascinating. For me, mm -hmm. so I have been having the hope we are going to, uh, to find some kind of uh, new places and that is when i start with uh, the tajos caves i was following the exploration of a friend of mine uh, who in 19 in 1960s in a small expedition financed financed by the mormon church <laughs> oh. and, you know the mormon church always was looking evidence of their history no yeah. Uh, and the Mormon Church also create their own religions around the metal kind of scrolls which were appears in the earth through an angelic intervention of uh, the angel Moroni who contacts Joseph Smith in in upstate New York. And uh, and as this was the genesis of the of the Mormon Church of the Church of the Last Saints, and in these scrolls they talk about advanced cultures in in the Americas before Christ, before the biblical times. That connects with the Tajos Caves. The, uh, my friend uh, was the sidekick of another explorer named Morix, Janos Morix, who is also one of the characters of my book, as he was. He discovered two things. He discovered a kind of an underground city in a cave of called the Caves of Quangos. Uh, cave of Quangos is famous for a big expedition suddenly uh, produced in a few months by a curious engineer, Stanley Hall, who was reading a book from Erich von Daniken. Erich von Daniken 
wrote the book who was a bestseller called The Gold of the Gods. And no matter Erich von Daniken never been in the original caves, he kind of embellished the story based in the photos provided with these Morex who discovered this this very deep cave with very sophisticated, uh, non-natural, but enhancing geological features. These geological features show up, uh, this, uh, they show you, when you see it, a very similar to brick walls, very polished uh, tunnels, ducts, and uh, gates, and connecting with uh, the technique used for by the Incas and pre-Incas in the surface, the constructions of these massive blocks, which weigh thousands of tons, and they are incastrate. They fix each together with millimeter of precision. Something we find along the valley of the Incas, as you see from Machu Picchu to Vilcabamba, and through Pisac, Odaitantambo, and, and many other ones. And uh, that we cannot reproduce today that technology. Mm -hmm. Morix and Julio and the expedition of 1976 of Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong was part, our astronaut, our first man on the moon, yeah. was the first American in the decade. I was the second, but Neil, or the third. <laughs> But Neil was the first. Our first move was the first American to step in the Tayos Cave. <laughs> and you could see in the internet a lot of rumors why he was Mormon, he was Mason, he was <laughs> a kind of uh, a good boy from from uh, Ohio, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. No? Oh. And, uh, and he was kind of the godfather of that expedition. But uh, in that time, he was as he was in a Scottish from a Scottish origin, and the organizer of the expedition was a Scottish. Said, "I'm going to invite some celebrity who is a Scottish too." And God save the Scots, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, this expedition really didn't find anything. The the. The bigger expedition in history was a co-production between the British, the Scottish, and the Equatorian government in that time. And, and the target was take over what the Mormons couldn't take in 1968. That was the treasure of the Golden Scroll. And since then was a lot of kind of um, uh, hypothesis theories. That is the reason uh, the Cape had been turning in the more important mystery cave in the history. I brought the subject in the 80s to the United States. I was the first one, I could say it, but uh, I could prove it. And in my book, I have a chronology of my intents to bring this subject to, help, to get attention uh, to, to, the, to the topic. I remember I have to deal with all the dummies of National Geographic then, but they don't have any kind of uh, any kind of clue what is real exploration. And now it's Disney is only in National Geographic. So watch out with the, the ears of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> 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 right. But uh, 
talking, I'm talking about that. The, the cave was the first research methodological was in the 70s after the discovery of my two friends, Morix and Julio, in the 60s. But uh, for me, in my expedition was trying to find more evidence of the artificial influence in the construction of the of the underground city and also the second stage was come more close but the library was the golden library was never really uh, see the light of the day there are many rumors saying the british expedition took it with boxes now it's in the british museum I call the British Museum by this. They never answer me. That is very suspicious. I cannot think. Uh, unfortunately, Stanley Hall uh, passed away in 2008. Uh, uh, he, before dying, he traced another theory saying the lost treasure, the lost library was not in that Quangos cave, but in another cave. But I went and I did two expeditions. Uh, what's interesting, this this cave is uh, is kind of carved by the penetration of of the river, the Pastaza River, which is a very kind of uh, very kind of uh, rapid, very tumultuous uh, river, uh, who burn the Andes and connect with the Amazon, and. Uh, and this, in this cave, he said he was sure was more evidence, but uh, I didn't find the physical evidence, but I found kind of incrustation, rectangular shapes with covered with gold. For me, it's gold. I couldn't take uh, samples of the cover of the ceiling of the cave, but I didn't. in that time, the drones didn't exist. That was 10 years ago. <laughs> and, uh, and also, it was impossible to take a sample with with that. I seen. I don't. I don't know if they exist. Drones could take samples of material of rock materials, but they were in the, these cathedral ceilings of the cave. But through the camera, through the zoom of the camera, the video camera, I couldn't see was kind of some geometrical figures. And I thought maybe the legend of the golden scrolls. Uh, have a kind of uh, connection with these these incrustations, but we have another story. When uh, von Daniken went uh, to interview Morix and his lawyer in the mid sixties or late sixties, right? Uh, he also went to visit this collection. They call the Father Crespi, the Father Crespi Museum. No, Father Crespi was a Salesian priest who was a total genius, very humble, almost in the way to sainthood. But he was a filmmaker too. He used he made his first films on the Hibaros. The Hibaros were the guy who shrank your head and make it very small. And now that name they are called the Schwaras, Schwartz who are very wild as the original Hibaros from the Hollywood movies, right? And uh, I will not tell the story about my escapes and uh, chasing the jungle as Indy Jones. 
but uh, that will require a lot of description. But you could read the narrative in my book, and it will be fun. So, it was not fun in that moment, but what? So when you took this, when you, when yes. you presented, not to cut you off, when you presented this effort, um, we had a question from a guest, from our host. When you presented this effort, um, evidence to the Smithsonian, did they yes. give you any um, resistance, or did you know? Did did they just go along with it, or how did that go? Uh, I brought the subject to the Smithsonian uh, years ago. Uh, I was connected also with my research on on the Valley of Santa Eulalia and that analysis I told you about that sacrificial pit. And uh, the, the Smithsonian was very interested. But I have a friend, a Peruvian friend, who was the curator. <laughs> And he supports, and he also wrote a special letter what I brought to National Geographic uh, Expedition Council. And with that, I have to deal with this, the cookie cutters, the usual cookie cutters in these institutions with it. So, well, no, but nobody knows the, that cave you're talking, that that's just cave. Say, so, but you're supposed to explore your world. You have to explore new things. No, go to Karsbad and go to the <laughs> the caves of Altamira or something. But I don't know. It's that is the problem with me. And at that time, uh, the council of the expedition was subordinated, uh, but Fox Fox Networks was owning part fifty one percent of National Geographic, and they they said, "Oh, the project has to be visual first for television and after the expedition." No, I said, "Let's do." No matter I am filmmaker and documentary filmmaker, I said, first, explorer. You have to explore first. Second, the documentary. And uh, they ignored me. But the Smithsonian was interesting. Knowing the Smithsonian is very kind of, um, very kind of a skeptic of any kind of uh, different fringe type of archaeology as happened with the uh, crystal skulls, who they were really... They rejected uh, with the subject of the giant skulls. We have, we have a lot of evidence of giant specimens in South America in this area, especially in Ecuador. We have valleys with. I have testimony of people who saw these bones and these skulls bigger as a truck wheel, and that I believe in these people. They have nothing to sell, nothing to lose, and uh, but evidence sometimes. Disappear, photos disappear, recordings disappear, bones and scatter all to four, four directions. And, uh, I, yeah, I, etc. But yeah, it's uh, unfortunately the Smithsonian uh, didn't didn't really help. They used to help good expeditions in the past, but this the war is is full of very of strange bureaucracies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alex, I, I, I have a, a uh, question. Uh, or, um, I'd like to preface it by a statement you make in your book. Uh, Ecuador was and is the center of the planet, and it has been the cultural center of our planet since uncharted times. And you, know, you were talking about uh, you just mentioned uh, the crystal skulls and you know, giants and elongated uh, skulls. Uh, you know, all this lidar is uh, being used now in 
Central and South America, and it's uh, revealing these huge cities and ceremonial complexes. It, it, you know, you you said earlier that it's almost rivaling the, uh, you know, uh, great necropolises and uh, cities uh, found in the Nile Valley. Um, Was uh, Ecuador one of those kind of uh, did Ecuador have like one of those um, renaissance type educational attractions that were that was bringing people from around the world to it you, you do mention uh, like uh, some a- Asian uh, cultures uh, crossing the Pacific to uh, come to uh, South America. Uh, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. But you know, when you watch Ancient Aliens, we've had some other people on the Three Beards. They're talking, d- discovering the same types of things you're talking about. Well, it's, it, well, Ecuador is interesting. Ecuador, Mark, that country have the Equatorian line who divide mm-hmm. the the war, the southern and northern hemispheres. And the interesting things, the French measuring the earth in the 17th century, uh, they thought they were kind of, uh, they they hit the jackpot and uh, they measured with perfection. The interesting, the interesting things, the area of Quito, where was the measurement of the half of the war, was a culture called the Quito's Caras. It was a very Andean culture who also, they were very masters of uh, carving the gold, no? and ca- using underground burial places. And, uh, and the Quito's Caras, they have this kind of very advanced knowledge of the stars and the movements of the earth and the sun, solstice and equinox. And they left construction of their measurements in form of circles and pyramids, pyramidal structures, uh, trunked pyramids, oriented to stars of the Ursus Major, Ursus Minor, the Pleiades, and with sophisticated lines. And the Andeans were very experts connecting carving lines in mud in sand, as we could talk hours about the Nazca lines. And in the present time, I'm working on a big project who's going to decode finally the Nazca lines with the team of Spaniards and Peruvian researchers. You could see it online if you check my, my sites. But uh, coming back to the Quitus Caras, they kind of, they trace in the cent- very close to the center of the war, 10 kilometers 
five miles was already the the real with real precision the measure of the war. Today, with all the advanced calculations, uh, the scientists corroborate that not the French mission was right, but the Kitsus Karas were right in the spot. And the French were 10 degrees wrong. <laughs> How we explain all this knowledge? And this knowledge come from the original land, but also, as you were talking, there were migratory forces, migratory forces in the last 10,000 years, and uh, the Chinese and the Japanese, they navigate and they landed in the Valdivia coast of Ecuador. How we know that? We found the same traditions and the same kind of art craft elements we found in the Orient, for example. And we find also in other cultures in Egypt. They use the kind of the holding heads as they sleep with this kind of curved type of pillow, make of wood, make of a stone, uh, make of uh, cooked mud, and was used all for the, uh, the gone culture of Japan as also the Valdivia culture. <laughs> and that we are talking about 3,000 years ago. And also we found, for example, I went to see this burial place in this place called Valdivia in the coast of uh, northwest of Guayaquil, where you found uh, these people buried in, in lotus position as a kind of, as you see the Buddhist priests and the Orientals, they were buried in this lotus with the crossing leg. And in the hands, they have beads. They have the rosary beads used in Tibet and Himalayas in the coast of Ecuador. That proves that is an evidence uh, of the interconnection. No? As for example, that was the research of my friend Jean Savoy, who was trying to find similarities between uh, the cultures of the Incas, the Peruvians, and the Aztec Mexicans. For that reason, he did this great expedition called the Feather Serpent uh, Raft. It was a raft made of the Totora weeds. The Totora is the, this type of uh, vessels made with this kind of uh, lake and river weeds. And you you construct this type of canoes, uh, this type of kind of kayaks, giant kayaks, and Savoy decided to to, to prove if the if the uh, Incas and pre Incas navigate north using the current to get to Mexico, <laughs> and, uh, and he did it. He did it, but he didn't really. He arrived to the Panama shores, but he couldn't make it to the Mexica. Uh, but in that expedition, he found many similarities between the using of the, uh, for example, the eggs using the kind of um, chevrons, the chevron symbol, mm -hmm. uh, the kind of uh, undulatory type of uh, crooked uh, line and three lines and many other symbols and some similarities with the 
with uh, yeah with the ceramics and costumes and other elements but uh, the archaeology didn't accept his, his theory no and in the time still we think the population of america came through the Bering Strait. so now many more uh, regionalistic researchers Ameri Am amerindians researchers they start to think was not through the bearing was through many ways through the atlantic and through the pacific no and that is uh, and ecuador had been always in the middle and, and ecuador is a kind of the a melting pot of cultures who were coming from the pacific going to the east as well coming from the amazon cuenca orinoco and uh, amazon river toward the west how we prove that uh, this kind of transition and this kind of uh, migrating pilgrimage i call sacred pilgrimage following the seasons that's a good term of the season of the of the planet no for example in inside of the cave of Tajos, coming back to this cave explored by neil armstrong in 76 was a boreal place and, and this place is no access was a mystery all this character was living underground and it was only one skeleton who was found I couldn't find the evidence of the skeleton in the museum of the university in Quito, uh, but I found elements in display of metals and ceramics who were part of this character, this Indian, who may be fall in the cave, but the drop to the cave is kind of 80 meters, it's very old. Maybe he didn't send through some weeds <laughs> or some kind of. Uh, uh, a special mystery, no? Uh, but inside of the of this boreal site, we found a spondylus. A spondylus is this special shell, who only you could find in the Pacific waters. It's kind of a it's a shell with pink color, and that was very venerated as. A, so important as to have a Rolex today, you could have your spondylus in your in your kind of uh, in your house or in your cave, yeah. and that proof that proof in the middle of the between uh, in this uh, cartography of the bust Andes, some group crossed the Andes, and the Andes is big altitude. You have to cross coming from the west to show up in the eyebrow of the jungle. The eyebrow of the jungle where we found the, the cave of Tajos and other sites. <laughs> That's it. The, the people were very 3,000, 2,000. They were always in constant movement. And we have navigations. We have evidence. As, as I always said, Christopher Columbus was the last one. But we found evidence of the Phoenicians in Bolivia. We have this kind of ceramic uh, type of clay uh, plate with uh, very Mesopotamian inscriptions. And it's not a hoax, it's a real one which show up near the Titicaca Lake. 
and how they get there with all these semi-mythical characters. No? And as well, we have more so our Argentina, we have influence of the Middle East, of a type of uh, writings similar to Israelite Hebrew, Hebrew language, inscriptions from a couple thousand years ago. That's it. The Europe and the, the Middle East and the Far East, they have navigated. Uh, they have very advanced navigators and vessels, yeah, who can. <laughs> we have that, and also we have the guys from from the other places who have been landing too. The ETs. <laughs> Call it as uh, ETs or, or kind of uh, <laughs> UIPs now. UIPs. Whoops. Whoops. Alex, uh, Austin has a few of your photos that we could put on the screen. And you know, maybe you could uh, give the viewers um, an explanation from uh, you know uh, where you took these uh, photos. Uh, you know the importance of some of the features in there. Uh, Austin, uh, can can you get this one? Okay. Here we go. Uh, this photo, I, I was. Uh visiting the place where was the planetary of my old friend and mentor, Dr. Allen Heinrich. That is in Chicago. Oh. Yeah. The D-Born. That, uh, before he was director of the Blue Book, Heinrich was a peaceful astronomer. <laughs> interested, interested in also satellites and astrophysics. And this was his office. Yeah. Oh, wow. He, he was professor of astronomy of Northwestern University. That is part of the campus. Uh, oh. This this is part of my happy times in Mount Shasta and uh, Northern California. It's pretty. Near Redding is the secret, uh, the beginning of uh, the ascents to the controversial Mount Shasta and its lemurs inside, the subterranean lemurs, no? Lemurias. <laughs> This is a photo of uh, the expedition of 1969 called Taltosok Barlanga with Morix, where uh, the, the guy in the photo is, uh, what was his No, uh, I forgot his name, but he was part of the director of the Equatorian Tourist. Ah, Gaston Fernandez, Gaston. It, this is the first photo of the Polish's Polish's tunnels in the Quangos Cave. This is an amazing, but you cannot explain this by geological erosion. They're trying to explain by erosion of the river. The water never leaves this type of uh, perfect uh, ceilings. Oh, wow. This is the this is the Cave from also the expedition of seventy six. Wow! And uh, this is the gallery. And now called Gallery Stanley Hall, and it's the bigger with cathedral ceilings, and it's called Tajos by the existence of these birds, 
these uh, birds with the shape of doves who are blind, but they navigate with uh, ecosonar inside of the of the caves. Is that you in the center of the gallery? That's a huge room. Yes, no, that uh, the photo gave the impression of uh, they were giants for the, but uh, the person is more close to the camera, giving that impression with his shadow. No, it's not myself. Yeah. Okay, well, it's, it's a big room. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they were illuminated with some spotlights in the in the two chambers there to the right. Oh, that's yeah. upside down. <laughs> I am side, but this is myself. When I back from my fourth or third expedition, uh, displaying some artifacts I found in the caves and also gifts from friends who were also researchers in the Andes. Yeah. This is the bridge over the Quangos cave. Uh, unfortunately, I used the most difficult way to get to the caves using the land way. And now, now all these TV journalists, TV hunkers, they go through the river, they don't have any problems. When I went, I went in the worst political time and, and the worst kind of hostile times but I persevered after six months in the in the jungle I conquered the Tajos Caves. I was the first after the expedition of Armstrong in 76 I was the first the first uh, gringo to come to the area huh. and to, to record in digital video the inside of the cave and it's uh, was to get to that bridge I have to cross three bridges most of the bridges are destroyed. I was surprised I get this bridge intact and uh, I was kind of uh, abandoned by my TV crew. I was abandoned my old guide who was in the expedition of 76, Hall Armstrong. <laughs> on, on that bridge, did you jump up and down or you were scared to fall? <laughs> no, no. No, 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 no! I'm not. I'm not scared of of uh, of the altitudes, and uh, the river is uh, very rapid. I also, is I was trying to find another axis, and a friend of mine recently found another axis through the river. Oh, he's a good diver, and he entered through the cave through one uh, uh, one of the holes in the river but that is i don't recommend the rapids swallow you very fast <laughs> and also if you use uh, canoes and use kayak and vessels uh, river river boats the chance you will flip in the in the different rapids is big <laughs> um, yep. but if you see the, the recent programs they did another guy Josh gates who copied my story is supposed to go with him for the uh, uh, program expedition unknown, he did all from air and from a river, and the river doesn't have uh, too many custodians. In, in the past, uh, the Access River had people who didn't let you pass, no? mostly originals. Yeah. And this is 
this is a part of my expedition in Brazil when I was following the steps of Percy Fawcett. I spent several years trying to see, well, maybe I will find his bones finally. But, and as nobody finds it in so many expeditions since 1924-25, now it's going to be 100 years close. Mm -hmm. But the mystery, if he was really killed by the Indians or he was swallowed by one of the rivers. No? And that, that was part of uh, one uh, monolith I found. Uh, I, I never couldn't decode what is the inscription said. Yeah. And, and Alex, you make um, place a lot of importance on the cornerstone. Uh, yeah. There's, I don't know if we have the. Oh yeah, that is my favorite thing. That is, yeah. in one of my expeditions, my my friends and custodians, they said, "No, we have we have to leave the cave." But they were. They were starting to feel we are going to be ambushed by the local Indians. What happened? And was uh, you could read all the details in the book, all the story, uh, what happened after. But I said, I'm not going to leave the cave until I found the cornerstone. But the cornerstone proved the structures are artificial. You don't find the nature doing through cornerstone to sustain a 500 tons megalith who divided two caves. The big cave you were seeing. Before, the one you asked me, that is holding the two parts, access to the cave. If that means the ancient pop, uh, the ancient carvers, the only way to make communication between the first side where were that polishing tunnel and the second gallery was drilling. And for drill, you have to hold the ceiling of the cave with titanic forces and to use cornerstone to sustain that. That is the principle of architecture. Modern architecture or prehistoric or protohistoric architecture. And that was, for me, was in evidence. But my friend Julio, who was the original explorer, Julio Goyenaguado, never saw that stone. But more it looks like he took it in the expedition of 69. No? Uh, what well, was the black and white pictures you saw before. And it, the first, and I know, I, and I tell you another story. Interesting, synchronistic, okay. synchronistically speak. When what, the expedition of '69 was the original group with Janos Morix and international crew and his lawyer, and, uh, and Morix said, "But it was the full moon said." And that was the same day Armstrong, Collins, and Aldrin were around the moon and descending. And he said, as a prophecy, and Morix was a very strange Hungarian, very weird Hungarian. He said, in few years, the same people, some some of the people who are walking on the moon, they will come to the Tajos. He said to one of the guides, and that was true. <laughs> Seven years later, Neil will be landed in the Tajos. It's, it's amazing. You cannot explain this kind of random prophecy. But in, in Alex, with the uh, 
some of the photos that Austin put on the screen tonight with the, you know, there's seems like they're perfectly uh, flat ceilings. Uh, uh, it, you know, you have photos in your book yeah. with the. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I am below that, that monolith. Yeah, that monolith who divide the caves. For me, it's another amazing marvels of the of the world. That monolith. That is, I I was trying to help to name the the cave as uh, marvels of the world to be protected by the UNESCO. I hope in the near future. Well, it, I mean, it, the, this is some amazing information. It's all uh, the what you're saying is uh, these cut steps mm -hmm. inside this uh, uh, cave yeah. system. I mean, it, right. it's the, it really seems like there was something going on of it, it, uh, I, 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 uh, very unique. You don't see anything like this or, or only a few samples no. around the world. It it, it, mm -hmm. it it was really an amazing book to read about just the legends and your persistence in to reaching the caves and exploring them. And, you know, the photographs reveal there was something you know, um, almost like ha had to be there with steps and uh, almost like shelving. It, maybe that's where the uh, metal library was stored you, you, you make a uh, convincing case. I, I, I really enjoyed your book. Well, thank you very much. No, that that uh, steps are made of quartz. It's a quartz rock, which is not uh, totally easy to carve. But also next to that is a small pyramid. It's very interesting that formation. No, and I call the steps. They don't go anywhere as the Incas in the surface. They used to build these structures with steps upside down. <laughs> well, you have to walk with your head down. I, I couldn't explain these massive things. And you found that all these galleries below Machu Picchu with steps mm -hmm. upside down. I don't know. You have to walk challenging the law of gravity. <laughs> Looks like the uh, the Poseidon adventure. The Poseidon adventure on the on the plateaus, of the Andean plateaus. But it's uh, like an upside war. I cannot. Uh, there are so many mysteries of the construction, and mm -hmm. in the last forty years of my research, I couldn't find uh, the clues how these rocks were cut. And uh, they talk about legends. They send you to good chase the locals and the theorics, but we never really see the light of the sun <laughs> when we need it. Yeah, uh, the same with the pyramids. Egypt is still is a big challenge. Uh, uh, the only difference we found they use machinery. They use some machines. Yeah, yeah that is, you have to believe or blow up. But there were some use of advanced machines in the Andes and advanced machines in the Nile. Yes. Well, well, 
It's been over an hour. It's crazy how fast that went. Alex, we want to thank you so much for coming on. We're going to bring you on for part two, obviously, because there's so many more stories you have. And obviously, Craig wants to be here, too, not just typing away. He wants to be on the camera. So we really and that's the lines. Yeah. My pleasure. Yes, and that's the lines is coming. Yes. I hope. That's awesome. Hope. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Have a good night. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Alex. That's awesome. Yeah. I got some of his books. Thank you very much for having us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, Craig Get said, buy his books. Uh, Amazon, Simon & Schuster. Um, yes. It's perfect. Okay. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you, thank you, Mark, obviously, our uh, booking agent, <laughs> for bringing him on. That's awesome. Uh, uh, Alex is a There's great so guy. <laughs> very so interesting. Awesome. <laughs> there, there's this book, Mis- Mysteries of the Te- Teos Caves. Yeah, we're we're gonna bring him back on in a couple of months when Craig comes comes back from being sick and stuff for sure. But um, we'll wrap it up right now. I want to thank our sponsor, Nanny Kicks. Uh, you can find her at Nanny Kicks four hundred seven Facebook uh, or four hundred seven nine two three two eight nine eight. I don't have it on me at the moment, but I know if you're local Central Florida, she will be at the craft fair in Deland coming up in April. Um, I'll have that probably for the next show. Um, but like Craig says, if you want it in Central Florida, she can deliver it to you. If you want it out of Florida, you'll get a box ball, cake ball with a fork and a spoon. It tastes good no matter what. Won't look as good, but um, still going to be good. You want to check us out on all social medias? Um, what is it? Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all over across that. Patreon, please support us. We're working on more. Um, I think there's like a dollar account we've been working on. So just small things help us out, grow our page. And also, we would like to give a, also we'd like to give a shout out to JJ Beard Care. We're also yeah. on Zine Radio, also Patriot Radio. So tomorrow we'll rebroadcast on Patriot Radio. So if you missed us tonight, check us out on Patriot Radio tomorrow. Yeah, jjbeardco.com. They're really good. They send us samples. They smell amazing. They work really well. Um, YouTube, we finally got 100 views. So youtube.com slash podcast. Hit that bell. Yeah. And then um, just a heads up, we will not be doing a show next Wednesday. We will be on Spiritual Alchemy Energy with Julianne. So check us out there at 10 p.m. Eastern time and then 7 p.m. Pacific time. So that's really it. Yep. Um, and we'll be back in about what yeah. 18 minutes with another ancient aliens commentator. Yeah, I read up on some of his books, and it's going to be really good. It's a lot about what's happening right now. So I know, Chris, I love this one coming up, too. So, y'all, have a good night. We'll see you in about 20 minutes. All right. I messed up. It's really hard producing. <laughs>